I want to ask you a question today. So I'm going to kind of explain where I'm going. I, I want to ask you how many of you are here. Like, how many of you are here? And not just in the building, but you're actually here, like present in the moment, right now. So if you're here, just say, I'm here. All right, there's a half of us, all right. So I just like to tell those half, welcome. <laughs> no, everyone, welcome. I'm so honored, I'm thankful that you're here with us in this moment. And what I wanna do is just take a moment right now to acknowledge and thank God that we have the freedom to gather together, both physically and with those who are gonna be watching later in the week on YouTube or listening on the podcast. But we have the ability to worship Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we get to feed on the bread of life, the living word of God, here in the presence of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we get to worship the Lamb of God who was slain for the forgiveness of our sins. So I want to welcome you here in this holy moment, and I'm glad that you are here. And the reason I say that is because, unfortunately, some of us aren't going to be here for long. And I've been there. I've been in the pews where the pastor gets up, starts talking, and then all of a sudden I remember all these things I have to do, and I'm making notes, and I'm sending texts, and you might be here physically, but mentally or emotionally, your tension might go somewhere else. You're here right now, but in a moment, you're going to get a text message and kind of think, what is this? Some of you might actually initiate the text message in the middle of my message. Some of you won't be able to take it anymore and you'll have to check your Instagram feed because you want to see how many likes you got on the latest post. Some of you, you'll be thinking about all that you have to do or you might be thinking of where you're going to eat afterwards or that the meal that's in the oven isn't burning for Father's Day or perhaps you hear your kid yelling the loudest downstairs in kid zone and you're like, oh man. But if you're here right now, I just want to say I'm so glad you're here because some of you won't be here for long. So let's get right into God's Word, and we're going to look at an unusual text to introduce this message. It was Jesus' first miracle that he performed, and it was at a wedding, John chapter 2. And if you don't know the context, it would be incredibly embarrassing for the host at a wedding to run out of wine. But that's exactly what happened. So Jesus' mom said, go do something about it, Jesus. And so he said to the servants, go get these jars, these massive jars. And what I want you to do is I want you to fill them up with water. And these were not regular jars. They were like 20, 30 gallon jars. And Jesus said to the servants, what I want you to do is I want you to draw the water out of the jars and then go give it to the master of the banquet. And then God's word tells us in John chapter 2, verse 8, the servants, they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he didn't realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests get drunk. Essentially, that's what the Greek is saying. After they've had too much, then we bring the cheap stuff. Now, I always thought the next line said, but you save the best for last, but that's not actually what God's word says. What God's word says is this, but you have saved the best until now. So the title of today's message is, Your Best Days Are Now. So Father, we 
ask in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would invade our hearts in this moment with your goodness. And just as Jesus lived with an undivided attention in the moment, draw us into your presence and your calling in the now to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So would you look at the person next to you and just say, your best days are now. (laughs) And if you're just joining us, we're in a message series called A Better Way. And what we're doing is we're looking at the way Jesus lived in addition to the truth that he taught. But sometimes we get too focused on the truth and the head knowledge that we forget that how Jesus lived matters too. There's orthodoxy, which is right doctrine and beliefs, and then there's orthopraxy, which was the right practice, the right ways of doing things. So one of the most striking qualities about the way Jesus lived is that no matter who he interacted with, no matter what he was doing, he was always present in the moment. The first, or in fact, what I want to do is I want to show you two back-to-back stories in Scripture that illustrate his heart for the people that are right in front of him, being fully engaged in the moment. So the first one we find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, starting in verse 35. It's the very end of chapter 18, and Jesus was walking into Jericho. And if you can imagine, there were large crowds all around. Now, here's a photo of Jericho, so I thought, maybe not. (laughs) So there should be a photo of Jericho (laughs) with the walls actually crumbling down, because this is the place where they marched around in Joshua chapter 6, if you want to read that later, where the walls came crumbling down, and then they built them back up after years and years. And this will just give you a mental image of Jesus walking into this magnificent walled city with all of these people gathering around him, with crowds fighting for his attention. And as he's walking in, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples were offended. Jesus doesn't have time for this guy. Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus is important. Jesus is too busy. He has an agenda. Jesus isn't going to stop for some guy who's begging on the side of the road. So the disciples actually rebuked the blind beggar. They said, go away. But then Jesus rebuked his disciples. And he engaged with a single hurting person. He fully engaged in the moment. And he stopped and he gave him all of his attention. Then he said, what would you like me to do for you? And the man cries out, heal me. Could you heal me? Could you heal me, please? I haven't been able to see my whole life. And Jesus spoke a miraculous word of faith and healed the man. So one miracle is that Jesus healed him. But the second thing to notice is that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one else had time for. Jesus fully engaged with the person that was in front of him. And the second story, the the consecutive story, which picks up right after chapter 18 in Luke chapter 19, it mentions Jericho again. And it says, as Jesus entered Jericho, and this time Luke tells us that Jesus is actually going somewhere. He was passing through, and so he was moving through. He had somewhere to be. And as Jesus entered Jericho and, and passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. 
Now, if you notice, Jesus had already been interrupted one time by a poor blind beggar, and now he's interrupted by a rich, corrupt tax collector. And what I love about Jesus is that he's got time for the down and out, and he's got time for the up and out. He's got time for anyone and a heart for everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from, how bad your baggage is, how dirty it is, how rich it is, Jesus cares about you. And Jesus stops for this guy named Zacchaeus. Now, if you don't know who Zacchaeus is, I want to tell you about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. (laughs) Climbed up into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. So for those of you laughing, I assume you grew up in Sunday school, you drank the Kool-Aid. We all knew the song. I'm not sure if you know, in Estonia, there's a little song, Zacchaeus was a wee little... But I won't sing. (laughs) But he was a tax collector, which may not mean much to us anymore. But for us nowadays, tax collectors, well, they can be respectable. We might not like paying our taxes, but it's a good job. Back then, it was the most corrupt of all people. A tax collector would have been a person who would charge you what you owed, but then add an exorbitant amount to it and keep the difference for themselves. So if you owed $100, they might charge you $500. They pocket the $400, they give the rest in for your taxes. And so this is one of the most despised, most hated people around. And Jesus sees this guy and calls him out by name, Zacchaeus. And Jesus essentially invites him, himself over for lunch. He says, I'm coming over to your place. And as he was going somewhere, after he had already been interrupted once, Jesus gives a no-good sinner his full attention. And when he's talking to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has this moment of deep repentance in the presence of the Son of God. And he says something like, I've sinned so many times. I've hurt so many people. I'm so sorry. I'll do anything I can do to make it up. And then it's like he just blurts out, and you can almost feel him making it up, but he means it. And he says, like, I'll give back half half my possessions to the poor. I'll pay back four times to anyone that I stole from. And Jesus looks at this man and says, today, in this moment, salvation has come to your home. Jesus had undivided attention in the moment, and he stops and he gives people one of the greatest gifts he can give, his attention and his love. Jesus was always fully present in the moment. And you know what? I want to be like that, but unfortunately, I'm not always like that. I've been praying for some time and asking God to help me be engaged in whatever's in front of me. I've told you guys about the sign that sits on my desk that simply says, you are here. And Amanda thinks I'm crazy, but it reminds me that I'm actually here at my desk, and this is where I need to be. I want to be where my feet are, and I want to not just live for the happy moments and the up moments and the powerful moments and the outwardly meaningful moments, but I want to be present in all the moments, even the annoying moments. I wonder how many people would say that you just live in an annoying moment right now. Don't point at that moment, but... (laughs) But... There's seasons of life that are just more annoying than others, like the early years of raising kids. Like, I'm still in the trenches. If you look around here, you might think like, wow, you guys really love kids. But I think, yeah, we like kids, but we actually really love our wives. Amen? (laughs) Connect the dots. But I'm still in the trenches. 
And once I get out of these trenches, I know that I have some new trenches that are coming that I'm going to have to navigate then. But let's be honest. It is hard going off to work for the day, coming home, and just having toys everywhere. Or you go to get tools, and nothing's been put back, and they're spread everywhere. You, you look out the, you're into your backyard, and I envision seeing this luscious green lawn, but it's dirt patches, and the dogs dug holes, and... Oh. I often catch myself thinking, I can't wait for the day that I'm going to come home to a clean home exactly how I left it in the morning. Before I was married and even had kids, I used to have one of those Roomba vacuums, and I would program it to go at 10 a.m. every day, and it would be and if it didn't catch on any cords or curtains, then I'd come home to a clean home, and I'm like, wow. I kind of envisioned that again, but it's not happening. (laughs) But you know what? I was talking with Pastor Steve recently, and he told me that his kids are now grown up, and they're out of the house. And he's like, do you want to know what I do in the evenings now? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I pick up sticks. He's like, I walk around my yard, and I just look for sticks, and I put them in my fire bin. And then he's like, once I have enough sticks, I have a big bonfire, and I sit back and enjoy it. And I'm not going to lie, that sounds amazing on one hand. (laughs) But you know what else I realized? He's paid his dues. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to pick up sticks yet. I still want to be able to pick up my kids. I want to be able to play toys with them and teach them how to ride a bike. That's what I want. So let's be careful not to complain today about the moments you'll miss tomorrow. And why do we do this? We literally complain about the very moments right now that we're going to one day miss in the future. And those of you who are on the other side of it, I see you kind of nodding in agreement a bit. (laughs) It's so easy to complain about the very moments right now that we're going to miss one day in the future. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. So are you guys still here? All right. If you're here, say I'm here. (laughs) Because the the statistical odds would show that I've actually lost some of you. So that's why I thought I'd just throw that in there. Harvard did a study... And what they found, their exact words, is that 47% of the time, people's minds are not in the same place their feet are. 47% of the time that you're in a conversation with someone, your mind isn't fully engaged. 47% of the time that you're sitting in church or at dinner with your family or engaged with someone at work or talking to someone in the gym or in the middle of life group, almost half your waking life, your mind is not fully engaged with the rest of your body. In fact, one of the biggest enemies to our attention, I would argue, and I always come back to this, is our phones, our devices. And I have such a struggle with it. Every day I'm like, okay, I'm not going to use this as my alarm clock. And then I plug it in because that's where the charger is and I use it again. But in fact, it's shocking to think how often you can be distracted from the very place that you are. I know Simon Sinek has a whole thing, and he talks about even like when the phone is simply on the table, if you're having a conversation with someone, how much it removes your mind from the conversation. But the average cell phone user, studies show, touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That's a lot of times that we're not in the moment where we're just reaching over and reaching over and reaching over. And 
your mind is tricking you to kind of think like what, whatever's in front of you isn't important as the bing that you just heard in your pocket or the potential, the news thing or the cat video that someone shared with you or the golf videos that we might send to one another through Instagram. Or... And that's just the average. The amazing thing about some people is they're well beyond the average. Does anyone want to throw themselves under the bus saying, I, I'm above average? Because let's be honest, like, we're not a church just of average people. Like, we go all out in our dysfunction. <laughs> the average is 2,617 times, but the top 10% of cell phone users touch their phones 5,400 times a day. Whew. And if that's you, you don't have to raise your hand. Let me just say, you need to wash it. That thing's gross. <laughs> my mom gave me a sanitizer for Christmas for my phone, and I don't know if it works or not, but it makes me feel better. Because <laughs> we need to wash those things. We're touching those so often. But thousands of times a day, we are not with whatever or whoever is in front of us if our mind is somewhere else. And if it's not on the phone, then sometimes it's just playing games. My mind plays games, and there's two games that it likes to play the most. I play the when-then game, the, the one-day-when-then-I'll-be-happy. So it starts off in school, like, oh, once I'm in high school, then I'll be happy. Once I'm in college, once I get a good job, once I pay off debt, once I have a house, once I have kids, once they're not in diapers anymore. And so many of us, we're literally going through life wishing the current moment away wishing away what you have right in front of you. So let me just say, don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. And if it's not the when-then game, then I often play the what-if game, where you project into the future. What if this happens? What if I don't pass the test? What if I don't get good grades and get into a good college and get a good job and attract a good spouse? What if then I have dumb kids and then they have, need to have braces, but I can't afford braces? Because I, and then all of a sudden, because you didn't pass one simple test, you're thinking you're doomed for the rest of your life. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 34. Jesus said, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus says, don't worry about what's coming. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And what I love about Jesus is that he's not anti-planning. He's not saying, don't plan for the future. Jesus is telling you, don't worry about the future. Don't worry about it. So let me just ask again, are you still here? All right. Because it's really, really, really important to be present in the moment. So why do you think that we often aren't fully present? Sometimes we're just plain distracted. But as I was praying about it, as I was thinking about it this week, I think one of the reasons why we're often not fully present is because we actually lack faith. We're all freaked out about something that happened a long time ago, that I got to figure it out, I got to undo it, or we're all freaked out about what's going to happen in the future. And what I've discovered is that the only way we can be present in the moment is to actually surrender the past you can't change and trust God with the future you can't control. The only way to be fully present in the moment is to let go of a past that you can't change no matter what you do and trust that God has it. 
or to surrender your future and trust that God is good, that He cares, that He's already there. And because He redeems the past and because He's good in the future, you can be fully engaged with the person or that which is before you in the present. It takes faith. It takes faith in God to engage in God's calling that's right in front of you. In fact, I love the way that James phrases it. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And he writes this in James 4, 13 and 14. He says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there or trade and make a profit. He's saying, oh yeah, you think you have it all figured out? And then suddenly we got a flashback to March 2020. Ooh, we don't have it all figured out. James goes on to say, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And then he asks this pressing question, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I saw one pastor, he has a whole talk on, on this coming out of Ecclesiastes about our life being a mist or a vapor, and he uses this spray bottle, and it simply appears and just dissolves and is gone. And to actually think of your life like that, it's just, that's our lives. The image that really gets me is the hourglass. This is your life. You're here for a little while, and the life that God has given you on this earth is passing away in the moment. And there's three things that are interesting to me from this picture. One is that it freaks me out a little bit with how fast that sand's going. <laughs> but the first thing is that no one knows how much sand is on the top. We think we do, but there's a lot of people who thought there was a lot more than there really was. No one knows how much sand is on the top. The second thing is that no matter what you do, you can't stop the sand from flowing. Time is passing. Every day is a gift from God. Today is a gift from God. And some of you are wishing it away. There's a TikTok I saw recently and someone said, what would you say if I offered you $10 million today? Would you take it? And the person's like, absolutely. And then he said, but the only condition is you won't wake up tomorrow. He said, well, no, I won't take that then. So he said, you've already decided then that your life waking up tomorrow is worth $10 million. Whew, that's a pretty interesting way of looking at it. You can't stop the sand from flowing. And then the third thing is, once the sand is at the bottom, you can never get it back. You just can't get it back. And that's why at the beginning of the message, I just wanted to take a moment to simply celebrate you being here. Because at that moment, we're together in the presence of God, the very same way we are in this moment. And you could say that the most important moment of your life is experiencing God right now with God's people. And that's why I love what David says in Psalm 118. In verse 24, he says, this is the day the Lord has made. You've got today. This is the day. And because this is God's day, we're going to be glad and we're going to rejoice in it. So if you're still here, and I hope you're still here because I want to tell you, you can't be happy where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't love people the way that Jesus loved people where you're not. This is the day the Lord has made. The most important moment is right now. The most important person is the one that's in front of you. The most important 
moment is the moment you're in. I used to live for the big moments, the special moments, and the powerful moments. I loved putting on a big show of things. I loved getting a ton of people together to celebrate. But the more that I've been fully present, I've recognized the most powerful moments are often the smallest moments. The most meaningful often aren't these mountaintop experiences, but the conversation that I have with someone that I love. And I always love the moments when I intentionally am present with my kids, and they recognize it. That makes a difference. I recently took Landon out of school one day to go golfing. I had been sick with strep the week before. I was taking off for a few days that week, so I thought, let's pick him up from school on the Monday, and we'll go out and play nine holes. And While we were sitting down on a bench, looking out over one of the holes, he just said, Dad, thanks for bringing me here with you. This is beautiful. I'm just like, oh, like you just want to stay in that moment. And, but then he's bouncing off in no time. And at the beginning of the year, my, my mom and my dad, they took us down to Disney World in Florida. And at the end of the trip, we asked Kinsley what her favorite moment was. And she said, the pool days that we got to spend together as a family. And I said, oh, don't tell grandma that. <laughs> we need to be fully engaged in the moment. So don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. T today's Father's Day. So dads, I'm going to challenge you guys especially. Don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. That time will come, and I hope that you'll be present in that moment too. But this is the day that the Lord has made. And when you look at, look at the way that Jesus lived, not just the truth he taught, but the way he lived as he walked along, as we talked about last week, people weren't interruptions or inconveniences. They were moments and opportunities to engage and to show the goodness and the love of God. This moment is all that you have. This moment, this moment matters. And to be fair, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to, to guilt you or make you feel guilty by how little you're, you're actually present. I get distracted like crazy too, but I'm working on it. But when you think about Jesus, if there was a time that he would have been distracted from others, if there was a time that he would have been consumed with himself, like we often are, I believe it would have been on the cross. Think about it. He, the sinless son of God, people stripped him down naked, beat him so he didn't even look like a human being, whipped and flogged him so his back was left open and bleeding, hanging on a cross, having to push himself up with his wrists and his feet so he could just breathe while people cursed at him and spit on him. And right next to him was a criminal who looked over at Jesus and had a conversation. And the guy said something probably more than what's reported in scripture. He's probably saying, I've done a lot of bad things. I feel really bad about them. I'm so sorry. Whatever he said, we know he did say this. He looked at Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And even in the middle of his suffering, the worst, most painful moment of Jesus' life. He's fully engaged with the criminal across and looks over at him and says, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was fully engaged in the moment. I don't know who this is for, but you can't serve Jesus where you're not. You can't be happy and fulfilled where you're not. You can't love people where you're not. And if your mind is not where your body is, 47% of the time, you're missing out on the life that God has given you. 
It's right in front of you. You can't be a great friend if you're not there. You can't be an engaged mom or dad if you're not there. You can't have a great marriage if you're not there until you recognize this is the day the Lord has made. And because of that, I will be glad in it and I will rejoice in it. God has saved the best days for you now. Now, in this moment, you can experience his grace. In this moment, you can experience his mercy. In this moment, you can experience his forgiveness. Right now, his power is here. His freedom is here. His grace is here. And all his goodness is here. He is with us. In this holy moment, God is with us now. And I truly believe that God sent me to tell you that your best days are now. So if you'll fully engage with the people that God brings in front of you, pouring out your heart in the moment, knowing that tomorrow isn't a promise, but in this moment you can experience God, your best moment can be right now. Engage in the moment, be where your feet are, and see what God puts in front of you. I promise you, His goodness, His grace, His love is better than anything else you can imagine. This is the day, this moment the Lord has made. Let's be glad and rejoice in it. So if you're still here, let's pray and go before God. Father, thank you so much for your word. Would you help bring us into your perfect will in this moment so you can do exactly what you want to do in and through us? And as you're praying today, if your mind has drifted, let me encourage you to just come back for a moment. For those of you who, who want to say, yes, I want to live and love like Jesus lived and loved. I want to be fully engaged with an undivided attention in the moment. If God is speaking to you and you just want to see that as a reality, would you just lift up your hand so I could pray for you? I want to live in the moment. God, thank you so much for working in the lives of so many people. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to be present in the moments that you have given us. Prompt us again and again and again, God. If we have to listen to this message over and over, put it on repeat, write out scriptures and post them around our cars, our homes, to be reminded to be present in the moment. I pray that whatever we need to do, you drive this message deep into our hearts and when our mind drifts from a conversation with a child, when our mind drifts from an intimate moment with our spouse, when it drifts away from what could be an opportunity to minister to someone, and we're tempted to pick up our phone or worry about the past or obsess about the future, God, help us to surrender a past we cannot change and trust you with a future that we cannot control. Help us to engage fully in the moment. Draw our minds to where we are so we can love people the way you love us. Convict us, empower us, and change us to be more like Jesus. And as we keep praying today, for some of you, this moment could be one of the most important moments of your life. So I just want to ask you to think about this. How are you doing with God? Some of you might say, well, I don't even know if I believe in God. Take a moment to, to look outside, to look around. How did all of this get here? God. How are you doing with God? If you feel far from God or maybe guilty about something you've done, let me just tell you about the goodness of God in this moment. 
You're here because God wants you here. He knew this moment would happen and he loved you enough to bring you to a place where there's a message that might get through to your heart. And here's what he wants you to know. He loves you right now. No matter what you've done in the past, he loves you. No matter what you're worried about in the future, he loves you in this moment. And he showed his love for you in the person of Jesus who came to show us love, to conquer death and claim victory over life. In this moment, when you call on the name of Jesus, God hears your prayer. And in a moment, I just invite you to move from darkness to light. Move from shame to freedom. Move from wondering where you stand with God to a peace that goes beyond all understanding. By simply calling out to him, the old you is gone and the new comes. So if someone here today is feeling, I need his grace, you're feeling something drawing you to God right now and you're wondering, what is it? That's the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's his goodness. You simply have to respond by saying, I want his forgiveness. I'm ready to let go and call on his name. He hears your prayers. So if you feel in this moment, you know it, you, you sense it, you feel it, that's why you're here. Simply say, yes, I need his grace. By faith, I surrender my life. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. If that's your prayer, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray with you? I won't single you out. Simply saying yes to God. God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. You are changing lives as you continue to draw us to you. So Father, forgive us of our sins. Save us. Make us new. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to follow you. Help us to show your love in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.